can open your Bibles if you have one to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 15. I love watching testimonies like that for two reasons. One, because it reminds those of us who have a testimony what we went through. And some of those, those things he talked about are, are not only refreshing, remind us you know, who, who Christ is in our lives and what he's done. And it's, it's emotional. It's an emotional thing. And secondly, because it, it gives somebody who doesn't or hasn't been through that process yet, who doesn't understand salvation and what they receive from Christ's death on the cross, uh, a way, a path to, to be a part of that life and to, to be able to, to see a witness like that is just, it's just amazing. I just love to, I can hear those testimonies over and over and over again. I hope we have an opportunity to hear testimonies like that here from this, this pulpit. Uh, I'm sure you, you all would feel the same way. Okay, so this morning we're going to be um, reading out of Matthew 15. I'll be reading verses 29 to 39, and then I'll, I'll pray for the preaching of God's word. So the word says, Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled, healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who, were, those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word and this, protect, this text in particular, Father, for, for helping us to see how you care for others, Lord, that we would use that as an example when we go out to make disciples. In your name, Father God. So help us, help us to see the intricacies of this text. Help us to understand your word, Father. Uh, I pray that there is no, no condemnation felt from this text, but Lord, that would, there would be 
uh, renewal and change in our hearts for how we care for others. Lord, let this be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Mark began our mini-series on how to go and make disciples with Connect, uh, which is taken from our, our C4 cards. If you don't have any of these, you can, you can print them off the, the link that, that we have online. Um, connect, care, communicate, and commit. So this week, I'll be focusing on care. Uh, so by now, you probably may have guessed what my title is for the message. Care. Let me say that again. Care. <laughs> That's all there is. It's just one word, care. I'm sure Savannah's thrilled that I didn't give her a 20-word title to put on the e-bulletin. So, so what does the word care mean? What comes to mind when you hear the word care? Well, the word can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, depending on our circumstances or our experiences. Well, let me give you a few examples. I care for my family. And even that alone spreads out into different ways, many different ways of caring. Uh, for example, I care for my, for my children and for my grandchildren and, and grand dogs. Uh, the way I care for my grandchildren and grand dogs is I spoil them, Right? And the way I care for my children is I try not to say anything about how not to spoil my grandkids <laughs> and my granddogs. I care for my parents, my siblings, um, my in-laws even. Now there's a, there's a great distance between where we live and where I live, and so caring for them looks a little differently than it, it may if they were in, living in, in this town. I could probably do it much better, but I, there is a certain way that I care for them, right? I care for my beloved, my wife. And by God's grace, I've been able to learn to care for her in a very specific way because she has some long-term illnesses that require special attention. Some of you, even some of you who are young in marriage, have to have, I have had to learn how to care for your spouse in a unique way. By no means is this uh, an easy task. It requires much faith, much grace, and sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying I do it perfectly. There are many times where I feel weak and not, not helpful. And then my wife will tell me how much she appreciates the care that I'm extending her, the care that I'm I'm giving her. Spouses, I cannot stress enough how important it is to hear from your husband or your wife that you appreciate their care. It is assuring and necessary, especially when we're feeling inadequate or selfish at times. I care for the type of person that I am with others outside of my home whether it be in the office or with friends. I care for the brothers and sisters I have in Christ in my local church as a pastor and, and fellow believer. So all these are just, these are a few ways that we care for others. But, but none of these describe the type of care that Jesus gives in this text. So, so this morning I want to show you what I've learned about the care that Jesus provides. 
And along the way, I hope you'll be encouraged in how to go and make disciples through care. So I'll be covering four points this morning, uh, with the first three covering certain aspects of the text, and then the fourth bringing it all together to help us understand why Jesus cared. Okay? So let's begin with point number one. Jesus went. Jesus went. Verse 29 says, Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat there. Jesus was proactive in his going. He went on from there. There is, if we read in a a few more verses or a few verses before this text, he was in uh, Tyre and, and Sidon. So he went on from Tyre and Sidon and went up to the mountain and sat. He was setting himself up to care for people. He, he wasn't hiding. He wasn't avoiding crowds. He went to a location where, where people could see him. And there were great crowds that came to him. I can imagine that, that when he left Tyre and Sidon, he, he wasn't alone. He wasn't with just his disciples. There were people probably following him then. He's walking by, by the sea. People are following him. He decides, you know what? I'm going to go up to a place where people have a good view of where I am. So he went up in the mountain so that the crowds can come up to him and see where he was. You know, I was, um, I was driving over by Interstate 225 in Alameda a couple of weeks ago. And there was a huge crowd gathering on the interstate itself. So they had blocked off the uh, northbound route uh, on 225. And there were people, you could, you could see a mass of people on the interstate, and some were facing this way looking, and some were facing this way. Some were trying to t- tiptoe and look, and some had gotten on top of pillars to look uh, because they really couldn't see where the... the the loud voice was coming from. Somebody was using a megaphone. And they really couldn't see that. Well, Jesus, Jesus was purposeful in how he set himself up on the mountain so that people gathering could then see him and see where he was and see what he was doing. This was purposeful. We saw last week how connecting with people is an important part of discipling people to Christ, being, being able to set yourself up to share the gospel, to share the good news of salvation. That, that's being proactive. Similarly, with care, you have to be proactive. You, you can't care for someone when there's no one there to care for. You have to know what their need is. You can't come in and say, hey, I brought you a whole week of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for your children. Well, that's nice, but my kids are allergic to peanut butter. Oh, that's okay. I I laid hands over them and I prayed over them. They'll be all right. You're telling this to somebody who is not a believer probably and doesn't understand. I prayed over these so they'll be okay. You have to know what it is you're you're providing care for and how to provide that care. And you don't, you don't just know that off the top of your head. You have to ask questions. You have to communicate with these people that you've connected to in order to care for them. Jesus was being proactive. He was putting himself 
in a position so that he can provide adequate care. And great crowds came to him, bringing them, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them. Point number two, Jesus healed. Jesus filled the need. All these crowds were bringing people that needed something, and he filled that need. They brought the lame, he healed them. They brought the crippled, and he healed them. They brought the mute, and he healed them. There were many others brought at his, and put them at his feet, and he healed them. So does this mean I have to find a mountain so that people can bring the lame, the crippled, and the mute so that I can heal them? Well, no. I don't think for most of us that's what this text is telling us to do. Although, who knows? Maybe for some of you that's exactly what it is. I don't know. What I think this text shows us is that Jesus met a need. Jesus went, he set himself up to provide care, and he met a need. A legitimate part of making disciples is meeting need, providing, providing care. So how do we fill needs? How do you go about filling the needs of someone who you've just connected with? Do you just go around and start buying stuff? I'm going to buy you some food. I'm going to buy you some clothes. You look like you really need some clothes. <laughs> what does it look like, filling a need? What if I don't have the resources? Maybe I don't have enough money to care for my own family, and, I, and now I'm expected to buy stuff for people that I just connected to? What about my time? Maybe I don't have a lot of free time to drive somebody to the, the doctor's office or to sit with them for an extended period of time while they, they recover from a surgery or something. How am I supposed to fill needs if I can't do some of these types of things? Well, first of all, filling needs doesn't necessarily mean spending lots of money or lots of time. Although perhaps maybe the need requires that, and if it does, then we have, to, we have to trust that Jesus will provide a way for their need to be fulfilled. It may not be through us. It may be through us. But providing a need can take on many different forms, ways that you can fill. Like praying for somebody. We're getting them in contact with someone who can provide for a specific need. You know, just knowing that there's someone they could, they could talk to can be a great need. Providing care can be as simple as sending a note saying you're thinking about them and praying for them. Just the other day, Saturday, I got a card in the mail. Thank you for the person who sent it, you know who you are. 
And in the card it said, I've been thinking about you and praying for you. Oh, I've been thinking about you and praying for you. And then she began to list things about Dinah that she was encouraged by. And Dinah's reading this and, and feeling encouraged. I mean, I was felt encouraged. Just a simple card. And yet, there was encouragement, there was love, there was care. Filling needs doesn't necessarily mean spending lots of time and money, but it does require one thing for sure, that you have a connection with the people that you're wanting to provide care for and that you're asking them what they have a need for. What is your need? Is there something that I can be praying for you about? Do you need a, a meal? Do you need a ride somewhere? How can I be of service to you? You can call me if you ever need to talk. Or maybe you'd just like to go get a cup of coffee and sit at a park and just chat. These are simple ways that we can provide need without a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of money. But they're effective. They're effective when, when we're caring for somebody that we've connected to that maybe they don't know and understand the gospel yet. They haven't heard of God. They haven't heard of Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. All they see is somebody wanting to provide a, a care, a need. How effective do you think that could be? It's powerful. A legitimate part of making disciples is meeting needs, providing care. Now, Jesus did it in an extraordinary way. The crowds were there with him three days. Our text says that there were great crowds that came to him so that he must have healed hundreds, maybe maybe even thousands of people. The text says that um, there were 4,000 men alone. That's not counting the women and children that were also there. So there were a lot of people there. And he didn't turn anyone away. He healed the lame, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And his care was for individuals. Individual people. I mean, he, he could have raised his hands over the crowd and said, be healed. And people would have been able to go home in just a few minutes. But no, he put himself, he set himself in a position to be seen that people could bring those that need something and he was able to provide that need on an individual basis. This took three days. So what did the crowd do? What did the crowd do? Well, first they wondered. They put him at his feet. They put them at his feet and he healed them. And then verse 31 goes on to say, so that the crowd wondered. They desired or were curious to know something. The crowd wondered what they, when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking and the blind seeing. And then what did they do? 
and they glorified the God of Israel. They brought people who needed healing. They saw Jesus healing them. They wondered and desired to know more about what was going on. They saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. It's interesting to note here that the text explicitly says, and they glorified the God of Israel. Not, it doesn't say, and they glorified God. But they glorified the God of Israel, which leads us to believe that a majority of the people there receiving care were not Jews, but instead Gentiles. What does that say about the people we are to connect to and care for in hopes of discipling someone to Jesus who does not know him? Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Everywhere and everyone who needs to be witness to the lost. Jesus' care was directed at the lost. Jesus' care was directed at the lost because he had compassion. Point number three. Jesus had compassion. When Jesus, then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. This is verse 32. And so that there was no doubt about how Jesus felt about the crowd, he says, I have compassion on the crowd. I have compassion on the crowd. I have compassion and I am unwilling to send them away without providing even more care. Can you sense his compassion, his love for the people? It wasn't just the, the, those that were lame, crippled, mute, those that needed healing. He had compassion on them. He healed them. He also had compassion on those that came and were there, the people. He even had compassion on them. He has compassion for the crowd. Some, some might think, wow, he just healed all these people. They don't need anything else. They don't need anything else. But Jesus wasn't thinking that way. He had compassion and desired to continue caring for all of them. Let me caution you not to think that learning how to go and make disciples using tools like C4, connect, care, communicate, and commit, is just a process. A production line for producing converts. It's a means by which we witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world 
to the end of the earth, building relationships that hopefully one day will become brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters who one day will be be with us in, in a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Revelation 21, 3 and 4 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Oh, to be there, to share with brothers and sisters, to glorify the God who is with us. What a great time. It's not, hey, I just connected with Billy Bob today, and so tomorrow I'm going to fill a need that he has, and then I'll share the gospel with him, and then I'll ask him to commit his life to Jesus. Bingo, bango. Next! Jesus healed, and then he had compassion for the lost because it was more than just caring for the sick. It was more than just caring for the downtrodden. It was about renewing our relationship with the Father. Jesus' life is and has always been more than about healing the lame, the crippled, the blind. It's about restoring the perfect relationship we had that was broken by our sin. And that required the saving one. My last point for this morning, Jesus, the saving one. Jesus went. He had a purpose. He became a man. He, to, to, to be among us and to suffer, to take away the sins of the world. He had a purpose. Jesus healed. He took on our sin and replaced it with his righteousness. He took our sins so he could bear them on the cross, sacrificing his life as payment, which was required for our sin against the Holy God, and therefore became a propitiation by his blood for the wrath that was meant for us. Jesus healed. Jesus had compassion. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. John 10, verse 28. And out of our text this morning, I have compassion on the crowd. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Jesus is the saving one. He cares for his own. The verse before John 10, 28 says, My sheep, my sheep, hear my voice. 
And I know them. And they know me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. We will be together. Glorifying in a place where God is our God. Where there is no more tears, no more suffering, no more sorrow. For all of that has passed away. Jesus is the saving one. He's the one who saves. He's the one who offers salvation to those who believe in him, to those who hear him and follow him. And by his example, we're being taught how to witness to the lost. Connect. Care. Communicate. And commit are just part of the package used to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. I hope it will become more of a purpose in your life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your example of caring for the lost. You have said the harvest is full and ready. We're to pray for workers to go out into the field and harvest them. Lord, continue to make me a worker to harvest, to connect to people that are lost and to care for them in a way that would draw them into you, Father. That I may be able to share with them the good news of saving grace through your, you, Father your son who died on the cross for me, for my sins, so that I could be reconciled with you, Father. Thank you for your example through our Lord Jesus Christ, being somebody who has compassion, is proactive, and cares. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.